Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 327. Today is July 10th, 2021. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. While the media continues to beat the narrative drums of all the problems with inflation and hyperinflation, a lot of that narrative gets translated into this is going to be bad for stock and equity prices. But as I always recommend, you should look beyond the headlines and look at the data. To me, the data still looks fine. If we were headed to hyperinflation, I don't think the 10-year treasury would be below 1.5%, which is where it's at today. So as usual, I think the media narrative is a bunch of hype and the markets pretty much agree with me because across the board, whether you're looking at the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, the Russell 2000, Pick any of the major indexes, and every one of them, at worst, is just a few percentage points off the record high. The S&P 500 itself today has put in a new record high. The markets continue to climb a wall of worry, and if you're one of those nervous Nellies that's waiting on a market collapse, I think you're going to have to be patient and wait a little bit longer. Well, in today's episode, I want to talk about inflation but I want to come at it from a different side. This is wage inflation. And when I look at wage inflation, I look at it as being the glass is half full, not half empty. That's not because I'm a crazy, wild-eyed, rose-colored glasses optimist. I'm optimistic, but my optimism is based on cynicism, realistic cynicism. And if you're in a position where you own appreciating assets, then inflation shouldn't bother you, and that includes wage inflation. We're going to talk about that today briefly as it relates to the stock market, but I also want to talk about it more on the personal side and how it relates to you and your earning capacity, and that's whether you're self-employed or whether you work for someone else. And again, if you own an appreciating asset, then wage inflation shouldn't bother you. That applies to you as an employee or as a business owner, and in that case, the appreciating asset that you own is you. It's your talents and your abilities. And so if you're a quality, high-producing employee, or you own a company that likewise is producing high-quality and in-demand products and services, then you're not worried about wage inflation because as the value of the dollar or the currency goes down, you will be able to pass those price increases on either to your customers or you'll be able to demand a higher salary from your employer Because you, as a talented, highly productive employee, are an appreciating asset. And inflation drives the price of all appreciating assets up. So if there is wage inflation out there, you shouldn't have to be worried about it. In fact, it's an opportunity, it's a chance for you to earn more money. Now in this episode, I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts about how to get a raise or how to start a business. I've covered that topic many times in the past. We'll cover it again in the future. But just recently, in the last, oh, I don't know, couple weeks or so, I appeared on one of my friend's podcasts, and that's Nicole over at Living Free in Tennessee. And her and I had a conversation about getting recognized. And so rather than me talk about that today, I'm just going to refer you to her podcast. I'll put a link in today's show notes, but that was episode 428 of Living Free in Tennessee. Nicole's a really good interviewer. We covered a lot of topics, and that included how to get recognized not only in your own business, but also, and probably more importantly for most of you, how to get recognized as an employee. 
So that's how to impress your boss, how to use LinkedIn, ways that you should be networking up and down the supply chain within your chosen field of employment. Nicole and I are old friends, so it's very conversational, and we even spend a lot of time talking about my past history. And the important thing to recognize there and to hear those stories is that I'm not an overnight success. I'm a late-blooming entrepreneur. I'm someone that built my wealth consistently over many years and over decades. So I am the quintessential 20 or 30-year overnight success. The reason that's important and why I want to stress it now and why I try and stress it just about any time I talk to anyone is that it's a success process that works. Not everybody can go out and get rich quick tomorrow. But I will tell you that virtually anyone that's living in America that is willing to commit themselves and to look for continual improvement, investing in themselves, and having the discipline to save and continually reinvest their assets, that virtually anybody living in America today can become a long-term overnight success. Depends on where you're starting. You could become financially independent in five years or 25 years. But the good news in all that is that it is possible because those opportunities still exist today. And in fact, I think it's never been easier to create wealth. And I want to stress here, it's not through some flim-flam, get-rich-quick-overnight scheme. It's by taking those talents and abilities and turning them into products and services that you either sell to others or that you sell to your employer. And if you do that and you do it consistently and you have discipline, then you will become wealthy. Today I'm going to end on a quote that I mentioned at the end of the interview that Nicole did with me. I'll save it to the end. But when I heard that quote some 25 years ago, it was an epiphany. I took it to heart. I applied it in my life. And it is one of those bedrock motivational affirmations that helped make me financially independent. So I'll get to that at the end of this episode. Listen to the full story over at Nicole's podcast. That's Living Free in Tennessee, episode 428. I'll put the link in today's show notes. You should also go visit Nicole's website for a couple other reasons. And that's because Nicole is a practicing homesteader. I definitely encourage you to listen to her podcast. She has a lot of great ideas on that, a lot of good interviews, and she's been living that life for a number of years. In addition to being a podcaster and a homesteader, Nicole has her own business of craft roasting high-quality coffee. Now, those of you that know me on a personal basis, you know that I personally don't drink coffee, so I can't endorse her product from a taste standpoint, but I can tell you, that I've watched Nicole build her business over the years. I've seen the love and diligence and the skill set that she's developed as a craft roaster. And I know she creates a quality product. So check it out if you're a coffee drinker. I don't think you'll be disappointed. This too is evidence of what I was talking about in terms of not being afraid of inflation and specifically wage inflation. Nicole and I talk about it in the interview she did with me. And it's spot on about the point that I'm trying to make with you about investing in appreciating assets. If you're a small business owner, in the case of Nicole, she roasts coffee. It's high quality coffee. Because she's a small business owner, she can do things more efficiently and more productive than a large nationally branded company. So her product is better than something you'd buy from a roaster like Starbucks. But at the same time, even though it's of high premium quality, you don't have to pay more than you would at Starbucks. In fact, you may even pay less. 
That's the magic of small business. That's why I so much like having my own small business and working with other people that have small businesses. We have the ability to take something that we love and create a product out of it. So it's not only a product or a service, but it's also a labor of love. That's something you're not gonna get from a big corporation. That's the magic of how a high quality product can be created at or below the cost of a major producer. Now the disadvantage to all this is that as a small business owner, you don't have the advertising budget to promote your product like the big brands do. Because they can advertise and create demand, they can command a higher price for their product, even though it's of lesser quality than your custom product. That's the essence of the conversation that Nicole and I have in that interview about getting recognized. It's about creating that word of mouth, one-on-one type recognition that a small business owner needs to promote their product. The quality is already there. You just need to tell people about it. And as far as our discussion today, let's focus on the positive side of wage inflation. There hasn't been a better time in, I'd say, the last 30 years for you as an employee to get a raise. Well, again, that's assuming that you're a high-quality, highly productive, and desirable employee. If you're dead weight or high-maintenance or you're not a producer in your organization, then everything I'm saying doesn't apply to you. But for those of you that are rainmakers, that are the go-to people in your company, that are valued by your employer as someone that can get the job done, and you have the ability right now to use this wage inflation as a negotiating point, you should be going to your employer, letting them know that you're anticipating a raise, and you don't want to overplay your hand, but you should make them aware of the fact that you have other offers on the table and you're willing to go somewhere else for a higher wage. Right now, employers know that their key people are in demand and they've got the budgets and the motivation to increase salaries for employees that are worthwhile. So now is the time to act. Now is the time to do something about it. The one caveat to this, the one age group that is disadvantaged is the baby boomers. But that's also part of the solution. You see, one of the reasons that we're getting hit up with the wage inflation isn't directly associated with COVID or even with all the money printing at the Federal Reserve. It's just the natural progression of the demographics of the workforce. The baby boomers are all headed to retirement. COVID spread that process up and pulled more of them out of the workforce. These are senior level positions that have been held by baby boomers that have been holding back Gen Xers for the last 15 years. Gen Xers and those baby boomers that were born on the cusp of the baby boom, people kind of in my age group that were born between, say, 1960 and 1963, 65, depending upon when you look at the cutoff for the baby boom. But the, those baby boom cuspers and the Gen Xers have always lived in the shadow of the clout that the baby boomers have yielded. The baby boomers have held key positions at the executive level, at upper level management, in areas of tenured and seniority level positions. It's always been hard for the Gen Xers to break into that. And this extends back even through to the Great Recession, when a lot of baby boomers lost their retirement money, and so they've ended up staying in the workforce and putting off retirement. That's capped the positions and put a ceiling above the Gen Xers and in their career progression. 
What I'm talking about is mostly about employees, but it also applies to small businesses. Think about all the small businesses that are owned and operated by baby boomers that are either getting ready to retire or because of COVID have already shut down their business and moved on. That lack of employment talent, whether in small business or directly in the labor force, is creating a fantastic employment opportunity. I believe it's one of the major contributing factors to wage inflation. And the demographic that's going to benefit the most from this is not the Gen Xers, but it's the millennials. The millennials have the opportunity now to leapfrog and get into those higher paying, higher seniority level positions and do so ahead of the Gen Xers. Because a lot of the Gen Xers are getting older themselves, they're less productive, they're discouraged, and they're also pigeonholed or typecast at this mid-level wage earning range that they're at. The millennials can come in enthused, talented, with a lot of new ideas, a lot of enthusiasm, and the pump is primed for those high-quality, high-producing, rain-making millennials to step into these key positions. That's great news for those of you that are motivated, willing to take the risk, and can go out there and make things happen. So on a personal level, I think it's fantastic. I also think as an investor that this wage inflation won't be bad for the general stock market or for corporate America. In fact, it's going to help overall productivity and that will make corporate profits even higher. And of course, stock prices over the long term are always related to corporate profitability. So as corporate profits go up, the prices of the stock market will continue to go up as well. Now, why do I think this is going to help overall employment productivity with the big companies? Well, it's really being driven by three factors. Number one, coming out of this COVID crisis is just like coming out of any recession. And during a recession, companies cut back, they get rid of their dead weight, and they cut employees that are less productive. Less productive may be employees that just aren't doing as good of a job, or as it is in most cases, it's employees that are doing a good job, but their, their compensation is high, and most of that compensation is not tied to their productivity, but because of their longevity at the job. And so during a recession, companies use this as an HR tool to get rid of those higher paid employees. They lay them off. They never bring them back. They bring in younger workers or workers with less seniority that they can compensate on a lower level and get the same level or higher productivity out of them. To the extent that those over 50 employees do find new employment, generally, as a general rule, they're doing so at a lower level of compensation. And I think if you look at it historically, they're taking a 20 to a 25% or more pay cut. So while that's bad news for the baby boomers and those over 50, that's great news for corporate profits. The other factor that drive corporate profits during times of high wage inflation is that employers are forced to increase productivity by automation and robotics. And so where in the past they know that they could automate a job or somehow eliminate the, uh, the labor involved in it, they don't do it because it's painful, it involves getting rid of employees, it creates human resource problems, and there's obviously an element of the unknown and exactly what the return on investment will be to automate that job. But during a period of time when they're laying people off anyways because of a recession or in this case because of the changes that had to occur because of COVID, then it makes it easier for the employers not only to eliminate the dead weight that they don't need, 
but also to take the extra effort to go ahead and invest in automation and robotics and different procedures to cut human employees. And so that investment in technology and automation not only helps the bottom line of the company that employs it, but it also helps the companies that are creating that technology and driving their sales. So it's a win-win, again, for the stock market, for the big companies. And then finally, the other factor that really drives corporate profits during these periods of employment reorganization is not only in getting rid of the dead weight, but they're cutting through their bureaucracies and all the red tape. They're bringing in new, younger, highly talented, highly skilled, and motivated employees that are leapfrogging over all the old gatekeepers that were keeping stuff the same and inhibiting progress. And so you take an organization that is old and stale, and almost overnight, you can create it into a highly productive and dynamic workforce. Just as a case in point, and not specifically related to the wage inflation that we're seeing right now. But look at a company like IBM. IBM was founded in the early part of the last century. For the first 50 years of its history, it was dynamic and unstoppable. But then, like most organizations, it stagnated. And we've seen that company stagnate since at least the late 1980s. So IBM, a powerhouse of computing and data processing, for the most part, it missed the entire modern-day era of not only the personal computer, but also the Internet and social media and mobile smartphones and cloud computing and virtually everything else that's happened in technology for the last 30 years. You can argue why that happened, but a lot of it had to do with old, stale, unimaginative, bureaucratic management and workforce. And it looks like maybe IBM is finally turning that around. They've replaced their upper-level executive suite, and they're going through the very painful process of spinning off their old legacy businesses. IBM, I believe, is likely to emerge from this as a leaner, more dynamic company that's focused on cloud computing and for the first time in 30 years, have the ability to go take on the other tech giants. This is something that IBM hasn't been able to do, no matter how much money they've thrown at it. You can apply that same logic to what can happen all over corporate America, as older and less motivated employees are replaced by younger workers, by less bureaucracy, and by more automation and technology. Now, before I end here, let me stress the point that I'm not criticizing baby boomers, nor am I overhyping millennials because they're younger. We know that there are young, lazy millennials, just like there are older baby boomers that are highly productive and extremely efficient at their jobs. But on the margins, because of the wage inflation that's happening and the ability to change and roll over the workforce, in general, companies are going to be able to get rid of more overpaid, mediocre employees and replace them with either younger workers or technology. That's going to help the corporate bottom line, I believe, overall. That's going to sustain profits on Wall Street, and that's going to be one of the reasons why this stock market rally continues to roll. Now, if you are one of those older, highly productive employees that for whatever reason gets made redundant and gets laid off, well, if you truly are talented and you're a high producer, I'd encourage you to use all that work experience and go into business for yourself. I'm a late-blooming entrepreneur. I've been investing and building my wealth for well over 35 years. But when it comes to small business and being self-employed, but that's only something I did after I turned 50. 
And if I did it, you can do it too. If you've got that motivation, if you have that talent, and if you have the desire and the risk tolerance to go out and make it happen. Now, hey, I want to end today's episode on a quote that I mentioned on Nicole's podcast, Living Free in Tennessee. It's something that I think I might have mentioned here in the past on my podcast. I really probably need to dedicate a whole episode to it, though. And that quote is something that I heard about 25 years ago. It was at a formative time in my life when I was making that transition from being a wage slave employee to laying the groundwork and the foundation as to how I could create my own company and further build my own wealth. And I had the serendipitous opportunity to hear a quote from an old motivational speaker. This guy was popular in the probably 1950s, 1960s. His name was Earl Nightingale. And the best thing that I've ever heard him say was this quote, to become rich, you must first enrich others. When I heard that some 25 years ago, that really opened up an epiphany in my life. It eventually resulted in me coming up with my third wealth building principle, which is production is the source of wealth. If you want to be wealthy, you have to produce. Most people never do that. It's much easier to complain about your boss or complain about your company or complain about the economy or complain about the bankers or the Federal Reserve or it's the politician's fault or it's inflation or it's deflation or it's a recession or this or that. People spend their lives making excuses and complaining. But the bottom line, if you want to create wealth, if you want to be financially independent someday, doesn't matter what sector of the economy you're in, whether you're self-employed or working for someone else, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. The bottom line, if you want to become rich, you must first enrich others. Think about that. Take it to heart. Start formulating a plan how you can take your talents and abilities and create products and services that enrich other people's lives. That may be enriching your boss, enriching your current employer, or it could be creating a company of your own where you create products and services and you market and sell those to your customers to enrich their lives. But the bottom line is production is a source of wealth. And you build long-term financial security and financial independence and financial freedom, all of that is built by first enriching others. And from there, it's just a matter of the natural law of wealth dynamics. When you create valuable products and services, that value has to come back to you. There's no mystery. It's not a secret. It usually comes down to just hard work and a disciplined lifestyle. Well, hey, I'll end it there. For those of you that may be new to the podcast, Go back and listen to the first 10 episodes. You can find a link to them under the topic of wealth building principles over at wealthsteading.com. And just as a reminder, all the previous 327 episodes are all archived at wealthsteading.com. If you want to listen to any single episode on the website, simply put in www.wealthsteading.com slash and then the episode number. So if you want to listen to the First Wealth Building Principle, the first episode of the podcast, just put in wealthsteading.com slash one, just the number one. If you wanted to listen to today's episode, it's wealthsteading.com slash 327. Everything's logged and categorized that way. There's also a search function on the website. Well, hey, as always, thanks for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.